Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. They are going crazy in Michigan as Junior is looking for the checkered flag. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a hell of a guy. He's the guy that, that I look up to. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has won the Daytona 500 for the second time. Congrats to Junior. The world is right right now. Dale Jr. just won the Daytona 500. The Motor Racing Network presents Junior's Journey. Every time he comes by, the fans give a hearty cheer and a fist pump as Junior continues to lead. People adore him because he is just such a unique, real, down-to-earth person. I'm just a pilot, man. You know, I just want everybody to be happy. I want to do good. And and, uh, hopefully all of my dad's fans enjoyed this. This is for all them. From the Motor Racing Network studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Susie Armstrong. Welcome to Junior's Journey, a walk through the life and career of one of NASCAR's most popular drivers, Dale Earnhardt Jr. To this day, one of the most difficult years of most of our lives as motorsports enthusiasts, as Americans, was the year 2001. A time that featured so much hope and promise as we brought in a new year that was quickly left in question by horrific accidents. NASCAR has lost its greatest driver ever. And unthinkable acts of terror. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom. Those events left many thinking, what's next for the sport and for our country? Thank you. Good night. And God bless America. Speed Weeks in February at Daytona Beach, Florida, is always a time of coming together, a time for the NASCAR industry to turn over a new leaf and begin its 10-month journey across the country. Green flag is out. We're underway with a Budweiser shootout of 2001. To perform daring acts of bravery and skill in front of millions who crave the sense of speed from their heroes. Now, Dale Earnhardt Jr. sees an opening, and Jr. goes for the race lead. But in 2001, it was different. Names like Labonte, Jarrett, Wallace, and Gordon, just to name a few, had the sport buzzing with hope and promise. But a kid named Dale Earnhardt Jr., who followed in his father's footsteps, was beginning his sophomore season driving his daddy's cars at Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. I want to hear the name of the first guest. Dale Earnhardt Jr. All is right. our first guest. Come on out here, Dale. There's a lot of pressure behind the Earnhardt name and things like that, but you just kind of got, I mean, the main thing about it is you just got to enjoy yourself. You know, I'm in, I'm in my 20s, and I've got, uh, you know, i just got a few more years before I start getting really serious about life and getting heading in the direction I want to go, so it's a it's fun time right now. But the Intimidator was back. Nearly winning a championship the year prior, Dale Earnhardt was out to send a message. Dale Earnhardt trying to size it up for his seventh win, possibly here at the Bud Shootout. With a tremendous amount of confidence, Earnhardt felt like it was his year to earn the coveted eighth championship. Well, that's there. It's our next goal. The eighth championship is uh, what you want to accomplish. We work hard to uh, win races. If you win races, you're going to win championships. So we're focusing on that as a whole. Uh, We uh, felt like our team's a better race team. 
And, and I think we can go out and get In most sports, the main event comes at season's end. But in NASCAR, we start our year with our Super Bowl. It's called the Great American Race, and for 42 years, fans have come from near and far to witness motorsports history in the making. Gentlemen, start your engines! Here is the Pontiac Aztec pulling off. That's the pace car for the Daytona 500 going to pit road. They're coming down for the start. Terry Bradshaw, the honorary starter, puts the green out, and they are underway. The Daytona 500 began with excitement and drama, just like the 42 that came before it. And now trouble. Stewart is in trouble on the backstretch. Stewart's car up in the air and over barrel rolling, turning gyrations. It's a big wreck on the back straightaway. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. was in the best position of his career to win the biggest race of them all with his father there to help. Dale Earnhardt Jr. right behind him. Then Dale Earnhardt nose to tail. The front do have a breakaway of about a car length. But what happened on that final lap on that February afternoon changed not only Junior's life forever, but impacted the sport in ways many couldn't and didn't want to believe were true. Michael Waltrip showing the muscle. Everything stacks up from third on back. Dale Earnhardt gets turned sideways. This is undoubtedly one of the toughest announcements that I've ever personally had to make. Uh, but after the accident and turn four at the end of the Daytona 500, we've lost Dale Earnhardt. This is a tough period in NASCAR's history. I can't think of any time it's been more tough. Good evening, everybody. Tonight, a show that I never in my life thought I'd have to host. Requiem to a champion, the passing of Dale Earnhardt. The sport mourned the loss of an icon. But bigger than racing, Dale Earnhardt Jr. lost his father. And to this day, Jr. remembers everything vividly, but struggles to put the words together on what he felt that day. All the details are pretty fresh. It's not really, uh, it's not like in the movies, you know, where things are blurry. Uh, but uh, it was, it, it's all pretty fresh. I really don't think about it that much, but um, when I think about my dad, I, I don't think it's intentionally, but every time I, I think about him, it's about something fun or something funny or when he was getting on me or, or picking on me uh, or I did something that he didn't like that I thought was funny. Those are always good memories. Alex Hayden was at the Daytona 500 in 2001 as a fan. He was also working part-time for MRN that year. Alex recalls what he saw on pit road that day. I remember being just on the fringes of victory lane and Michael Waltrip obviously won the race uh, and Dale Jr. started running and I saw Jr. take off running in full sprint with his driving suit on with his racing shoes on and that's when I knew immediately something very bad is happening. Running right behind Jr. was Winston Kelly pit reporter for the Motor Racing Network. Winston recalls catching up to Jr and the conversation they had. Yeah, I remember the accident, and I remember talking to Dale Earnhardt Jr. after the accident that I didn't think it was that bad of an accident, uh, and most anybody didn't, and we did a brief interview with him. Did you have any chance of getting around him, or did you have to have some help? I was just hanging on. Had a, he had a good car. We were just hanging on. He held a race for Michael. I'm proud of him. I'm glad for the DI for finishes one and two today. It's pretty cool. That's Dale Earnhardt Jr. who's going to the care center. He's trying to check on his father. He comes home second. And I felt horrible about it afterwards when I found out what had happened. And I remember talking to him in Texas about it later that year and apologizing that we even bothered to stop him before he went to the infield care center. And he said, you know, put his arms on both of my shoulders, said, man, you had no way of knowing 
nobody had any way of doing it. Don't you ever give it another thought. But uh, I'll never forget the conversation I had with him at Texas and how gracious and how understanding he was that, you know, he just knew we were doing his job and that, you know, we had no way of knowing how bad the accident was because it didn't look that bad. As many described it, it was like time stood still following the death of one of NASCAR's greatest talents. And as NASCAR's chairman at the time, Bill France Jr. described, the sport had to somehow push forward with heavy hearts. It's going to take time if we ever feel it. And I'm sure we will. The life has to go on. I touched on my remarks earlier that when Dale and Jeff Bodine came down, they had a good appreciation for the sport and where it was going to be going down the road, what part they were going to be playing in it, and the window they were going to be playing it in. So somebody's going to come along. Dale Jr. looks to me like he's got pretty good potential, too, to follow in his father's footsteps. And following in his father's footsteps is exactly what Jr. had in mind. And it started with carrying on the Earnhardt name. He was a lot of things to a lot of different people. You know, I just wanted to be, uh, it was, you know, he was so, he uh, was intimidating, you know, like they say. And uh, he was like that as a father when he was at home. Um, you wanted to please him all the time, make him happy. And uh, you wanted to, whatever you did, you wanted to, you wanted it to, uh, you wanted it to somehow get a response from him, you know. So uh, I think uh, as I was growing up, um, you know, you tried to get, get away and do your own thing and have fun as a kid, but at the same time you wanted to make your, your parents proud and, and you sort of found your direction by listening to them inadvertently, whether you wanted to or not. They sort of helped you find whatever it is you, want, you wanted to achieve in life. And uh, my dad was there to guide me in a lot of good directions that helped me out a lot. And uh, uh, I tried to, you know, have some of the same good uh, qualities that he had, I felt, uh, that I liked, the qualities that I enjoyed about him. I tried to uh, emulate those best I could and tried to keep those qualities as well because I felt like it made him a good person. While Junior and the sport struggled to come to grips with the loss of Dale Sr., the sport had to move on, just like Bill France Jr. alluded to. And the following week, teams and fans poured into Rockingham Speedway to grieve together. Though most people's minds weren't in Rockingham, the series continued, and the weekend started by Dale Jr. going to the podium and addressing the media. One of the things that this really teaches you the most about is how, how selfish you are about things like this. I mean, I miss my father and uh, I've cried for him, but out of my own selfish pity is the reason for those emotions. And uh, that's really all I have to say. Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s longtime business manager, J.R. Rhodes, explains Dale Jr. didn't want to be there at Rockingham that day. In fact, most people didn't. As my friend and my brother, I didn't even want him to be there. Honestly, he didn't want to be there, but he knew as a athlete in a sport that um, he grew up loving, his dad made his career out of, he knew that's what the expectations were. So he was there. It was, it was very somber. Nobody, nobody, went. we had so many friends. Richard Childress was going through everything he had to go through. Kevin Harvick's gotten thrown into the, the mix with that. 
Dale Jr. is racing his, his, his second year. It's the second race, and he doesn't want to be there. He just lost his father five days, six days earlier. The following is a presentation of MRN Radio, the voice of NASCAR. The NASCAR Winston Cup Series is at the North Carolina Speedway today for the second race of the 2001 season. Obviously, the mood is somber since it was only seven days ago that we lost Dale Earnhardt. This week has seemed like a month. We've all gone through a variety of emotions, trying to reconcile with ourselves just how a hero like Dale Earnhardt could be taken away. After all, there were so many times in his career that he beat the odds. Dale Earnhardt's passing is a stark reminder to us all just how fragile life really is and how precious every day, every second of life should be. Today, life goes on, and so does racing. The three teams he owned are here, the Richard Childress team which he drove for is here, and his son is here carrying on the family legacy, just like Dale would have wanted it. The race was delayed by rain. It started later than usual, but Junior's race was cut short on lap one. Trouble in turn four. Four cars into the wall, and it's Dale Earnhardt Jr. Head on into the concrete. They waited all that time to get started. Didn't take very long. What happened out there? I got uh, bottled up there getting into three, and somebody got in the back of me, and I couldn't couldn't keep it under control once that happened. Uh, just got in the wall a little too hard. I think it's killed the car, but we're doing all right. Every, everybody back home, we're feeling okay. Uh, just really is ready to get back to racing, so I guess we'll have to wait till uh, Vegas. While Dale Earnhardt Jr. made his way back home following the crash, his Dale Earnhardt Incorporated teammate, Steve Park, came to life. Steve Park crosses the line, white flag out, he holds the lead. Park was also carrying a heavy heart on board the Pennzoil Chevy that day after losing his team owner one week earlier. And though it may not have been Earnhardt's son carrying the name to Victory Lane that day at The Rock, Steve Park brought solace to a team that desperately needed it. But it will be Steve Park winning by just about three quarters of a car length as they go off to turn number one. It's just, it's been a tough week and this is a dream finish and, uh, you know, Dale's gone but he's not forgotten and he's going to be with all the DEI drivers the rest of the year, Dale Jr. and uh, all the great DEI race fans out in the grandstands. We love you all. Thank you. Following Rockingham, the sport soldiered on without its greatest driver. The race team that bore Earnhardt's name found victory lane. Even Richard Childress Racing found a bit of consolation as Earnhardt's replacement, Kevin Harvick, won at Atlanta. In those first few weeks of the season, and there was so much confusion, um, you know, on our team and in the sport and as to where everything was going to go, it was just uh, it was just one of those blank days. But uh, it was definitely a, a bright spot for RCR in general and, and I think the sport. But his son, Dale Earnhardt Jr., was still searching for his moment of closure which came with a return to the same hallowed grounds that tragically took his father on Independence Weekend. For one final time, Dale Earnhardt Jr. makes a courageous charge back into turn number two. I didn't daydream about coming in and winning that race. I just wanted to come here and race. Hi, everybody. I'm Joe Moore, along with Barney Hall, welcoming you to MRN Radio's live coverage of the Pepsi 400 from the World Center of Racing. I didn't ever see what happened coming. And Barney, although it is the time of the year for celebration and festivities, and we always look forward to coming to Daytona, this time it's a little bit different because something is missing. There is a sense of relief in coming back here and and now accepting the fact that Dale Earnhardt is no longer here, he is gone. And I think if Earnhardt could speak to everybody here, he'd say, enough, get on with your life, because life is short. Up in turn number two to cover the action of the high banks of turns one and two, Kurt Becker, he's from Altamont, Illinois. By the time we walked into the gate in July at Daytona, my main thought was I wondered what went through Dale Jr.'s mind. Uh, it's been a tough year. 
and uh, been a tough on a lot of people around me, a lot of my family and, and a lot of my close friends, a lot of my father's close friends. To cover the action for MRN tonight in that corner is Dave Moody of Montpelier, Vermont. You still came through that tunnel. You still looked over your shoulder to the right down toward turn three and four and, and kind of marked the spot, whether you you really wanted to or not. Tony Rizzuti of Charlotte, North Carolina. is. I just remember it being kind of the great unknown. Like nobody knew kind of what to expect. How was everybody going to race how was junior going to be like well how was he going to take it because he was so strong uh, that day in the moments after i think we all realized what a special young man junior was all along but in those short five months he probably experienced three lifetimes worth of emotions it was very uh difficult time. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will start 13th here tonight. He's gotten better every time he's had the car on the racetrack. I think he'd like his odds to win here tonight, Winston Kelly. I still get chills thinking about how phenomenal Dale Jr. has handled everything around his dad's passing and everything that has happened around his career to this day 15 years later. I think Dale Jr. mentally put himself into business mode that weekend because personal mode was just too difficult. We'll miss him. He gave this sport some of the greatest memories I've ever had in it. And, and I want to remember the good times with Dale Earnhardt. And I think we should kind of get on with it. You know, once the green flag flies for the race, you're kind of focused on the race. 43 cars, the best drivers in the world, ready to do their thing here under the lights at Daytona. About 1,000 feet away from the start-finish line, green flag is in the air, and the Pepsi 400 is underway. Earnhardt Jr. helped Harvick make his way to the lead with a nice bit of textbook bump drafting on the back straightaway, but now he's his chief pursuer. He's on the outside of Michael Waltrip. He'll take over second, and he'll pull Mike Skinner along in the outside lane. And here goes Dale Earnhardt Jr. for the lead. He'll pull to the high side of the racetrack. He's got Kevin Harvick down low. They're two by two. Earnhardt Jr for the lead. Dale Jr. got a very strong race car and he wasn't bashful about telling everybody I've got a car that can win this thing. He grabs the lead coming off turn number four. I was running about halfway through the race and I remember thinking that uh, we'd led a lot and we're really fast and I'm like man I, you know that's when it dawned on me that I might win. For one of the few times in my career I'm literally 50 feet from the racetrack and the crowd not just drowned out the race cars easily thoroughly and completely drowned out the race cars when Dale Jr. went to the lead. The only thing louder than the thunder of 43 Winston Cup racers, the thunder of the back straightaway grandstand at Daytona as Dale Jr. takes the lead. I think at that point in time, as much as you try to be neutral, I think it was impossible, just human nature, to not be rooting for him. Then I started getting nervous and uh, anxiety about it. And that's when, you know, anytime, anytime I get a glimpse of hope, you know, something's going to go right, I start to freak out. You knew Dale Jr. could be a factor because he, even though he was early in his cup career, you know, he had shown that he could drive those tracks. And so when he ends up up front, you know, with, you know, less than 20 laps to go, you thought, can this really happen? This crowd is going wild. Dale Earnhardt Jr. goes back to the front of the field as the laps wind out. Oh, man, if they pull this one off, they got three wide, almost went into the grass here at the start finish line. And as they took the white flag, it was it was just pandemonium. They come down, they will see the white flag when they cross the line this time. Earnhardt Jr. sees the white flag. Earnhardt is your leader. Michael Waltrip is second, and the battle is side by side for third. But here comes Dale Earnhardt Jr. He'll lead up turn four. What a headline this is going to make. Dale Earnhardt Jr. comes back to the Daytona International Speedway, 
leading the pack, coming to the line. He will win the Pepsi 400. There was some poignance in the win that night because it, it caused me to reflect on the fact that even with the win, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was going forward without his father. He was going to go now and blaze his own trail in the sport from that day forward. Harvick's win at Atlanta did a, did a lot of great things for RCR around that time. Kevin Harvick on the outside with a ghost of Dale Earnhardt looking on. It made me happy to see that happen uh, for that whole team and a lot of things happen, not just my win. I don't want to put my win on a pedestal among all of the great things a lot of people did that would have that brought a little closure to the situation. So uh, if you know my win was a part of it, it definitely helped me. I think it helped some people in my family, like um, you know my family, my dad's sisters and brothers had mentioned that that was a really neat moment for them. Watching the teams, you know, when Michael pulled up there and the two of them hugged. As his teammate, Michael Waldrop, pulls up alongside. You know, when you go... It's just fun to be with friends. It's fun to be celebrating with people, and the more the merrier. Bring Mike Long, bring his team on, RCR guys, everybody. Now all the team members, practically everybody on pit road, running out to congratulate Dale Earnhardt Jr. The way things played out those last 20 laps, totally unreal. I think we all felt like this was the one thing that could allow everybody to begin the healing process. July 7th, 2001. To this day, one of the greatest moments in NASCAR history. Through the summer months, the sport carried on, and Dale Earnhardt's biggest rival dominated. Jeff Gordon, the race leader for the final time. As Jeff Gordon garnered win after win to emerge as the championship favorite. As the summer ended, NASCAR's focus changed like the autumn leaves. It was championship time, but no one could predict what was about to happen next. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. On this day, a day of profound national tragedy, it is clearly inappropriate and virtually impossible to think about anything other than the terrible loss of life and loss of innocence that our country suffered this morning. To talk about NASCAR racing or any other form of entertainment at a time such as this would be an affront to the sensitivities and sensibilities of any caring person. Following the September 11th attacks, the country was in disarray. The National Football League, Major League Baseball, and even NASCAR decided it was in the best interests of Americans and their athletes and franchises to cancel all events. As the elements unfolded during the week, it simply just made a whole lot of sense, not only just for NASCAR, but for baseball and football and other sports as well, just to say, look, it's, it's, a, it's a good opportunity to take a time out here. The following week, Mike Helton, NASCAR's president, was on NASCAR Live to discuss the sanctioning body's decision to postpone racing following September 11th. The race was going to be run in New Hampshire. Let's just put our uh, concentrated activities on the shelf and, and unite behind the president, the America, the firemen that are working in the police departments and, and the military and everybody that were doing much bigger than what we do. The sport resumed action the following week on the 23rd of September at Dover International Speedway as America's love affair for sports was ready to help mend broken hearts. Popular singer Lee Greenwood in a song he made famous about 10 years ago. He's live here at Dover Downs International Speedway. We now join him on the stage trackside. Because the flag still stands for freedom 
and they can't take that away. The race provided a diversion for all of the fans who felt confusion in their lives following the events at the World Trade Center. It was the NASCAR industry who showed New York, Washington, D.C., Pennsylvania, and the country that they mourned their loss. They supported their heroes, but they will race in their honor because America and NASCAR fans needed it. Gentlemen, start your engine. Dale Earnhardt Jr. started from inside row number two that day and quickly made his way to the front. Now the scrambles for the lead, Earnhardt Jr. down to the bottom of the racetrack. He takes it away from Dale Jarrett as they go to two. As the race came to a close, it was Dale Earnhardt Jr. who emerged victorious and carried the colors of the nation out his window. As Dale Jr. set sail into turn three, looking for the checkered flag off turn four. It'll be a very popular win here at Dover Downs this afternoon. He won at Daytona in the Pepsi 400. He scores his second win here today in the first state of Delaware. Dale Earnhardt Jr. wins the MBNA Cal Ripken Jr. 400. No matter who had won that race that day, they would have done the same thing. They would have done something to express their feelings and uh, how the country was feeling. Dale Earnhardt Jr., who had never had better than a third place finish here doing the burnout here in the front straightaway carrying an American flag as he comes back up by the start-finish line to the cheers of 140,000 race fans here at Dover. You could sense in the uh, grandstands and it built up inside of everybody and I think that uh, I was really, um, I felt very lucky to be the guy. Uh, they got to win that race um, in that circumstance because, um, I, I, but I know that anyone would have reacted very similarly. It looked like most of those fans up there were rooting for you. I think so. I mean, it was uh, it was the most exciting to be before the race to see the emotion in the fans during uh, the national anthem and things like that. I mean, and it's a really emotional day. Really, uh, really happy to have carried the American flag around the racetrack there at the end. Uh, I've never done a Polish victory lap before. That's probably the last one I'll do, but. Uh, it was for good reason, and I'm real happy. It's just amazing now everybody can come together after something uh, like we had over the past couple weeks, and I'm just really glad to be, uh, be an American, I guess. Twice, Junior made fitting contributions to the healing process of NASCAR Nation. On July 7, 2001, winning in a return trip to Daytona after the sport lost one of its heroes and his father, and as the country searched for hope after being attacked on their own soil. 2001 might have been the beginning of Junior Nation, or at least the early stages. In moments where the industry as a whole has needed him, or even his fans, Junior has been gracious and personable on many levels. Junior's legacy will be defined by the things he did off the racetrack, but certainly his legacy is worthy of the numbers he had on the racetrack, and most notably his numbers at Talladega and Daytona when he was restrictor plate racing. Junior ended the 2001 season with a win at the Talladega Super Speedway on October 21st, just one year after his dad earned his final win in Central Alabama. Dale Earnhardt Jr. at the inside of the racetrack. He's got it hooked up coming back into the trioval. He's going to win the EA Sports 500. NASCAR heads to Talladega next weekend, and so does our conversation here on Junior's Journey. Join us next week as we discuss the tremendous amount of success Dale Earnhardt Jr. has had restrictor plate racing. Until then, I'm Susie Armstrong. Have a great week. 
Junior's Journey is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida. Remember to visit MRN.com for all the latest news and information. Junior's Journey is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Larson brings his Chevy four tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. He's here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak.